0: and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God most high, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me, because you loved me. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God most high our secret hiding place we will always be shielded from harm how then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go defending you from all harm if you walk into a trap they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling you'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness trampling every one of them beneath your feet for here is what the Lord has spoken to me because you loved me His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives, we live shadow of God most high our secret hiding place we will always be shielded from harm how then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go defending you from all harm if you walk into a trap they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling you'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness trampling every one of them beneath your feet for here is what the Lord has spoken to me because you loved me When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden, in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under
1: His cover. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship. We're so excited that you're here because we know that God is here, and he's ready to do great and mighty things. So, Father, we have come before you this morning, and we give you thanks and praise that in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And, Lord, we just exalt you, and we bless you, and we praise you. Thank you for the good things that you have in store for us today, and we welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
2: Like to together. you're about to move, feel it in the wind you're about to ride in, you said that you would pour your spirit out, you said that you would want something, daughter. This house because you're worthy, because you're almighty God. There is none like you all. Hallelujah. I want to move so you can move. Yeah. Come and do what only you can do. I want to live in expectation. Thank you
3: the musician play, we're going to pray. I want you to cry out to God as if you're thirsty, as if you're hungry. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you right now, and we drink, Lord, and we drink and drink. We drink in the Spirit, and out of our bellies flow rivers of living water. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you said that my house shall be called a house of prayer. And we come before you, Father, and we give you thanks and praise that you have prepared this day for us. This moment is for us. This time is for us. And your church is rising up. Your church is taking its place. Your church is standing its ground in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Father, that you deliver us. You deliver this nation from unreasonable and wicked men because not all men have the faith and Lord we ask you right now to protect the United States of America and keep us one nation under God and Lord we look to you you are our rock and our salvation you are our chief cornerstone and we thank you Lord you have empowered us You have called us and you have equipped us to preach the gospel in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our stores. We can tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. And Lord, we take the charge. We hear the trumpet sound and we will go forth and we will take our ground. In the name of Jesus we know father that when there's darkness in the land there's a light that shines brighter than the darkness there's a light that's greater than the darkness Jesus is our light we are the lights your light is in us and we're gonna let your light shine we call before you the evil leaders who make decisions and set policies to destroy this nation may they come to repentance may they cry out to God may they make things right in their hearts we pray for the kings and for those in authority That we live a quiet and peaceable life so that we can preach the gospel and be about our Father's work in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus said, come to me, all those who are heavy laden with burden. He said, I'll give you rest. Come to me, all those who are thirsty and drink. You gotta do some drinking today. You gotta do some drinking. You gotta come to him and you gotta drink. What what does it mean to drink? It means to open your mouth and to let praise come out. Open your mouth and let the praise come out. does not inhabit the silence, he inhabits the praises. Oh, His holy habitation inhabit praises. Magnificent, holy is your name. You, are the great I am. you are the And I declare, I am. Father, that what has bound your people has been broken and loose right now. I say woman, I say you are loose in Jesus' name. You are loosed in Jesus' name. You are loosed in Jesus' name.
1: Father, you are so good and gracious, and we just love you. There is none like you. And we thank you right now that you speak to your people. I thought you were just coming to an ordinary service today, but you're coming because there's a war cry. I'm commissioning men and women who will take their
3: place and take their position in me, says the Lord, who will take their place in Christ Jesus, who will stand their ground and not back down and will declare the testimonies of God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! lord
1: sometimes saints get saints get so comfortable they forget how to fight but we are in a spiritual fight and we have the ability to declare the word of god we have the ability to pray in the holy ghost You can pray and communicate with God in a way that your mind doesn't even understand. Hallelujah. We got something better
3: than the backbone. We got a direct connection to the Almighty. Hallelujah.
1: Now, Paul told a young minister named Timothy. He said, stir up the gifts that is on the inside of you sometimes not every time but sometimes you got to stir yourself up well I I don't have anybody around me stir yourself
3: up encourage yourself in the Lord come on we're not walking in diapers we're walking we're growing in the Lord amen
1: someone say praise the Lord Glory to God. Well, if you can, you may have your seats. And we're so glad that you're here. If you're watching us, thanks for tuning in. Like it, share it, spread it. Glory to God. We always have to come ready. We always have to come expecting. Yes,
4: amen. Thank you, Jesus.
1: One of the things we do here at BCF is we like to speak the word. Jesus gave us, he delegated authority to us to be able to speak the word in his name. Yes. So we want to invite you to make a confession based on the word of God. Uh, And let's let's make our confession. We ask ask our our God, the glorious glorious Father of of
4: Jesus, Jesus... for spiritual wisdom and insight,
5: that we may grow in our knowledge of God.
4: We know the Father through Jesus, and we are deepening our intimacy with him. We believe God's light is opening our imagination and understanding, so we can know what he has called us to do. We believe that we can benefit from his rich and glorious inheritance in us, and we are learning how to function in his immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing power that works in us because we believe. We believe that we can function in the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that makes Jesus far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ
1: and has made him
4: head over all things for the benefit of the church. We are his body. We are made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. We are victorious overcomers and reign as kings in this life through his grace. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every
3: creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's
1: promises and and experiencing experiencing their their benefits benefits. amen amen
4: i want to make an announcement uh one of the announcements and uh and melissa can reiterate but we have our women's conference coming up um april uh 8th and 9th 8th and 9th and then on the 10th uh the speaker will be in our service on sunday morning I want to encourage you to come and bring women that you know with you. The registration is online or in the bookstore. It's by donation like we did last year. Our speaker, you would never have heard of, but he has been studying the subject that I'm bringing him to speak on for 40 years. So you can be assured God's heard of him. And so God will put a message for him to us. And the topic I wanted us to cover for this conference, this is why... I'm only announcing it now because I had to find the right speaker. It is about the ministry of angels. Amen. I think this, we need to learn about it. We need to understand their purpose in our life. We need to understand their position with us and our position with them. There's a lot of things we don't know about angels, and we're leaving stuff on the table, so to speak. And so they were, they're were they called ministering uh, spirits for us. That we, we have angels that can minister for us. So we want to learn all we can. So the benefit of being here in person is that you will get to participate in a question and answer session that I, w- I will set up so we can ask questions and get answers. Amen. So it's a Friday night and a Saturday. I think we go to one on Saturday and we're making room for more women to come this year than did last year. So we're, we're working that out. But you want to sign up quickly so we know who to plan for, amen? Tell every every woman you know, and it's better for them to come and hear it from the expert than for you having to tell them about it after. Mm -hmm. The other thing about it is whatever we decide the subject is, there is an atmosphere for the learning of that subject. So you want to be there at the time instead of you taking out of the atmosphere, trying now to convince somebody of what you've learned. It just doesn't work the same way. So I'm, I'm giving you the opportunity as women here present listening to my voice to go ahead and get uh, sign up. His, his name is Dr. Michael Jacobs, and he is um, familiar with uh, the word of faith with uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Copeland with uh, he teaches in Bible schools. He you probably have never heard of him, but he's never been to this area. That's why you never heard of him. So we're bringing him for the first time. He went, the only place in Pennsylvania he's ever been to is Jamestown, Pennsylvania. I'm not even sure where that is. So, but he's never been here. Yeah, Amen. He's from Indiana. And he is from Indiana. Amen. So we are going to <laughs> welcome him and whoever comes with him and take all that research and all that study and all them preaching all those years. We're going to take it. Amen. So women only for the first. But, hey, guys, you can get in on it by just volunteering to, to help us. That's how you get in on it. And you can slip a question in there here and there, we'll ask. <laughs> so there's a way around this, right? <laughs> but I just want to encourage you to, to sign up. All right, that's my part.
5: Good morning, VCF. All right, so here are our announcements for the week. Tuesday is youth group. (laughs) I realized, so it was recently pointed out to me that I have a heavy emphasis in Tuesday, and I realized that I just did it again when I did my announcements, and it's Tuesday. (laughs) So our youth group is doing amazing things. We have new um, signature sour cream coffee cake. So we have new things. Almost every Sunday, I'm pretty sure. So make sure you always check that out after service. And if you're here during the week, the snacks are here all week long. So whatever event and service you come to, grab some food. Um, Also, with the youth, just want to mention that we are on social media Um, We're on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, so the youth have been posting videos with teachings and psalms and testimonies, so please check us out and subscribe. Wednesday, we have Wednesday Night Refreshing at 6.30. It is so lovely to be here on Wednesdays. I mean, I love to be here every day, but Wednesdays is awesome. And just as a reminder, there is no Barnabas this Saturday. So they just had it yesterday. There's a schedule change, so there's no Barnabas this Saturday. But it will be on the last Saturday in March on the regular pattern. And then book club, we are starting a new book, and it's we're going to do it on the first Sundays of the month. So we are doing Pastor Fiona's book, Identity Reset. So if you are... A lady interested in signing up for that and studying with us, that's Sundays, first Sunday of the month after service. All right, so my fact that I would like to share with you, which side note, on the YouTube channel, I talk about the difference between fact versus truth. So the facts that I share are based on what our current information that we know of. So the facts may eventually change once more information is discovered, but based on what I know... This is the fact, okay? So there is a special type of computer that is specifically designed to do calculations. And it's completely rule-based. So it won't do anything unless it is told to do it. That is how computers work. They are programmed to follow certain codes, and that's it. The codes can change based on, like, if this happens, then it does this. But that's about it. So it's called the church... Turing machine. Yeah, it's, it's the last names of the people who initially created it. I forget their first names, but it was Church and Alan Turing. That I remember. Um, so this computer is amazing, and it's not the fastest problem solver because it always has to follow the rules. So it has to go through and check everything, and it has no creative abilities. So it cannot solve any problems that requires, like, thinking. It only can solve problems that require, like, that follows the rules, okay? I was very fascinated by this with my math brain because that is a lot of, like, math things, right? Like, 5 times 5, that's a rule, 25, okay? So I would like to encourage you as a church that we do not want to be like the computer that only follows the rules and lives within this limited scope of things. Because not to mention that computer is also slow. <laughs> so we want to have creative thinking ability. That is what gives us the ability to solve problems. And why having revelation and having Holy Spirit is so important. Because the legalistic Christians or people who live in the world only follow the rules. Which is slow and not efficient and like just boring. And not to mention it is just bondage because they don't have solutions. But we as Christians have the solutions from our creator, God. So I encourage you today as you listen to the word to get revelation from the word so that you can have creative solutions.
1: That is awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, you having a good time so far? It's just going to keep getting better and better. Just want to share with you something before we dismiss our kids for their kids' life. You know, I appreciate uh, our youth group led by pastors Nelson and Nadine. And uh, when they see something, they go after it. Amen? Amen. And uh, that's what we need to do. In the book of Philippians chapter 4 starting with verse 15 it says this philippians 4:15 you philippians know that in the early days of preaching the gospel after i left macedonia no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone how many want to share in the ministry of giving and receiving yeah. You know, they work together, they uh, operate simultaneously, they're like two peas in a pod, right? And uh, this church stood out to Paul's ministry, and he said, uh, for even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once, everybody say more than once, that's double double, amen, all right? He said, not that I seek a gift, not that I seek the gift itself, <clears throat> but I do seek the profit, which increases to your heavenly account. How many want their heavenly account to increase? Yeah. You know, your heavenly account affects your earthly account. Yeah. What you put into heaven doesn't go to waste. Yeah. It benefits you. Yeah. God gives it right back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. He said, uh, which increases to your heavenly account the blessing which is accumulating for you. But uh, I have realized I have received everything in full and more. In full and more. He was full, but then he got some more. Amen. I am amply supplied, having received, received from Epaphroditus the gifts the gifts, uh, the gifts uh, that you sent, they are a fragrant aroma of an offering. Did you know that offerings have a fragrance to them? An acceptable sacrifice, notice, which God welcomes. When you give to the kingdom, you give to God. All right? In which he delights. Verse 19... He says to this specific group, to the group that gave him more than once, to the group that supplied him, to the group that sent to him, this is what he says to this group. We can be in this group. He said, my God will liberally supply, fill until full, your every need, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That promise in verse 19 is to givers. It's not to non-givers. It's not to everybody in general. So here at VCF, you can give. If you're here, you can give any time during the service. Wooden container there. Wooden container. Seed planter, seed planter. Right? If you make a check, make it out to VCF. If you're going to use a card, you can use the bookstore. Uh, If you want to mail it in, you can. If you're watching online, you can go to our website and do it that way. All kinds of ways for you to give. Amen. Father, I just pronounce a blessing today on the givers and their gifts. I thank you, Lord, as they brought it uh, to your kingdom. Lord, you receive it and you multiply it back unto them. And Lord, I thank you that they are prospered, protected, and provided for in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, kids, we have some awesome kids. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to walk to class, all right? (laughs) They're so excited to get there that they want to get there as fast as they can. So kids, have a great class. Be blessed. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. We like to cheer our kids so that they know that church is fun. Church is not boring. It is exciting. It is God's work. I'm in church every week and it feels good. (laughs) Hallelujah. Except I won't be here this Wednesday because I will be out of town going to a Winter Bible Seminar. Hallelujah. Yes, we still have Wednesday night refreshing. So come and be a part of what God is doing. If you've never been on a Wednesday, you're really missing out. Uh, there's exciting things that happen. I know some people aren't comfortable uh, driving at night. Well, then get, find someone that is. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And uh, come and join the party. Amen. All right. Uh, we're going to continue this week of uh, creating an atmosphere. You know God works in atmospheres. Yeah. And uh, atmospheres change depending on who exits and who enters. Yeah. Right? I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Glory to God! I'm excited for today. Every time we, we come together, you, you know, we, you realize I've been in, I haven't uh, let me just I've been faithful to come to church for like uh, four decades, and I haven't found it boring. I haven't found it dull. I have found it exciting and uh, thriving, and it's helped me in so many ways. Amen. Because God always does things different. Yeah, yes. And, uh, you know, you might uh, miss a service or two, but you're, you're missing out on something that God's going to do right then and there. And uh, you won't know that until you come and be a part of it. Yeah. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says now. Now is the, is the timing of faith. Yeah. Faith is right now. Now. The Lord is that spirit. You know, the Lord is a particular kind of spirit. He's that spirit, right? And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So where his presence is, well, I thought God is everywhere. Yeah, but he's not manifested everywhere. He's not, I mean, he's there, but there may be people that don't know he's there. Right. And they're not benefiting from his presence. But where where he is, there's liberty, there's freedom, there's emancipation, there's deliverance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then he says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. How many want to behold the glory of the Lord? The glory of the Lord is something to behold. It's awesome. It's incredible. It's, it'll make you awestruck. God's glory. And he says, um, we behold the glory of the Lord are changed. You know, when you encounter the glory, something's going to change. Into the same image. That's the image of God. He's the source of glory. From glory to glory. You know, you can go from one glory to another glory. You'd be like Tarzan swinging on the vine. He goes from one vine to the next vine. Right? Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, if we want to see the glory of God, and we do, it is up to us to protect the atmosphere. You know, God kept holy things holy Earthly things earthly, right? God would never allow something unholy to mix with holy, right? Um, only certain people could enter the tabernacle or the temple. And then when the, t- the veil was torn in two from top to bottom, you know, then we all had access to enter into his presence. And I'm so glad I can enter into God's presence. How about you? I'm so glad I can come boldly before the throne of grace. I can, I can have a conversation at the mercy seat with the Almighty. But there are three things that will destroy an atmosphere. In a relationship, in a home, or in a church service. These three things are divisions discord, and offense. Those are three atmosphere killers. But today, we're going to avoid the atmosphere killers. Not only are we going to avoid them, we're going to overcome them. Amen? Are you ready to overcome these atmosphere killers? See, because offense is probably the big out of the three. It's the biggest. But it, it disrupts atmospheres. It destroys relationships. It, uh, and every, every relationship, you know, offense will try to get in, but it, you can keep it out. Yeah, yeah. You know, the devil, he, 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 he's a slimy dirt bag. <laughs> and he doesn't come knocking on the front door. He tries to find back ways in, unsecure places where you never thought to look or check, because his number one weapon is deception. He can't make you do anything. All he can do is offer you an idea, a thought, or a suggestion. So if anybody says the devil made me do it, that's not true, because he can't make anybody do anything. And especially the believer who's in Christ Jesus, you have authority and power over him. And you can tell him where to go and what to do. Amen? Why? Because he's got to speak to you out of your shoe. The sole of your shoe, right? So we sang about it this morning. This is a building, right? This building is not the church. We, We are the church right here, right? But the church meets in this building. This is a holy place. This is a place that has been dedicated and set apart, sanctified, and consecrated for the work of God, the preaching of the gospel. Amen. And the building of the body of Christ. And this is a house of glory. Because I want God's glory. Because when God's glory comes in, it's good, it's wonderful. Things happen. You don't need, when the glory comes in, you don't even need an altar call. Like, like the day of Cornelius, when God arranged for Cornelius to go to Peter and for Peter to go to Cornelius' house, and Peter didn't know what he was doing, didn't know what he was getting into, God said, go and doubt nothing. Okay. Right? So he showed up and Cornelius had his house full of people. He invited friends. Well, he was a soldier. Come to my house. No, no. He invited them. He had influence. He was a leader. And they came. They didn't know what they were going to get. They didn't know what was going to happen. And Peter just started preaching. And in the middle of his sermon, the Holy Spirit interrupted. And he fell on the place. And the Gentiles were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues, just like they did on the day of Pentecost. God told Peter, he said, I'm going to do... You know, his vision wasn't about animals. It was about people. Don't call people uncommon. Amen? So this is a house of God. This is where God's work is done, where God's people come. All right? And this house has an atmosphere. I have heard testimony ...of different people, of visitors that we've talked to... ...they've said that, that when they've walked in... ...they felt the love of God, which is great... ...because that's an atmosphere. Amen? Amen? Amen. And we got to keep loving people. Yes. Even if they don't look like you think they should look. Amen? Amen. That has nothing to do with it. And when, when... See, the devil wants to bring division. He wants to separate people... Because his goal is to divide and conquer. Okay? But our God's goal is to unite and glorify. Glorify God. Right? So when people are polarized, there is oppression that comes into the atmosphere. And you can sense a disturbance in the atmosphere. I've been to cities... And places, and as soon as I get there, I was like, whoa, what is that? And I've been to other places and say, oh, nice. How many of you ever walked into a place and you've sensed the atmosphere? Yeah. Right? You know, you walk in and everybody's all nice and nice, but five minutes ago they were they were like cats and dogs fighting, <laughs> you know. What's been happening in this atmosphere? The atmosphere will tell on you. Yeah. It will expose you, no matter what kind of front you try to put on. Amen. All right. The first level of disturbance in the atmosphere is divisions. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. Right. This message is not to, um, expose things that are happening, it's to encourage us to keep protecting the atmosphere. Amen? This message is not because God showed me that these things are happening, right? But God is just encouraging us together to unify, to protect the atmosphere. The protection of this atmosphere is an ongoing thing. Amen? Why? God wants to do something here. And you know that because you're here. Right. First Corinthians 1.10, Paul writes, he says, I urge believers, or I urge you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in full agreement in what you say, and there be no divisions or factions among you, but that you be perfectly united in your way of thinking, in your judgment about matters of the faith. What was happening, there was a lot of different things that were happening in the Corinthian church. I mean, there was a lot of wicked things. There was a lot of immature things. There was a lot of things you could read the book of Corinthians and know there were some things happening there. And Paul was correcting those things, right? And so there should be no division or faction. They were choosing sides. They were saying, well, I'm of Apollos. And another person would say, well, I'm a Paul. You know? Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Paul. I'm a Paul. Yeah. What about being of Jesus? What about being? A, did Paul die for you? Was Paul crucified for you? No. Was Apollos? No. Who was? Jesus was. Let's be of Jesus. Okay. And praise God for the many wonderful gifts that God puts in his body. But don't, don't exalt the gift Above the giver. When you start exalting the gift above the giver, you've shifted into problems. Okay? What is a division? The Greek word is this is schisma, where we get the word schism. It's like a rent in a garment. You know, I see some young people today, they, they buy jeans with holes in them. I had to play hard to get holes in my jeans. In my day, there weren't any jeans with holes on the shelves. You had to earn your holes. (laughs) But now people buy them that way.
3: I'm like, I worked hard to get holes like that in my jeans.
1: (laughs) But that's the thing. That's okay. A division is a rent in a garment. It's a split. It's a dissension. It's alienation. Of affection from each other. It means no factions or parties are formed in consequence thereof. All right? Go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And let's look at what he says here in verse 16. Matthew 9 and verse 16. No man puts a piece of new cloth on an old garment. For that which is put in to fill it up takes from the garment and the rent is made worse. You know, sometimes I used to try to patch my holes and then the holes would get bigger. You ever found that to be true? Neither do men put new wine into old bottles. Because the bottles break, and the wine runs out, and the bottles perish. But he puts new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Now, back in the day of Jesus' day, they would put wine in skins. They were made out of animals, all right? And the skin had the ability to expand. Because when you put wine in it, the fermenting process would still occur. And, you you know, when when fermentation happens, bubbles occur, right? Gas expands the thing. So it needed the pliability to expand, to hold it. But if a wineskin was old, it'd get hard and it'd get brittle. And if you try to put new wine into that thing, it would burst and all the wine would spill out. See, in order for God to put his spirit in you, he had to get you born again. Why? Because we were an old wineskin. We were hard, brittle, and set in our ways. Right? But the Holy Ghost came on us, and when you accepted Jesus Christ, you became a new wineskin. You were able to expand with new information, new revelation. You know what? If you're an old wineskin, you can't contain the revelation of God. Why? Because it's continually expanding. This is a religious person. You ever notice a religious person? They are stiff. They're they're like the totally soldiers, you know, that you wind up like this. But we have to be flexible. Say, I'm flexible. flexible. You know, God even wants your heart pliable so that he could write on it. He doesn't want... He'll actually remove a hard heart or a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Why? Because he's got some new wine to put in you. Right? We're not an old sinner saved by grace. We didn't just get patched up. No, we became a new creature. The sin nature was taken away. We were brought out from under the dominion of sin. It has no control over us anymore. You can actually say no to sin. So there were divisions. All right. And, uh, Paul heard that there were divisions among them, and he, he believed it in part. Because after all, he started the church. You know, Paul kept in contact with the churches. He went around starting different churches, and he would put pastors in those churches. Because he was an apostle. And sometimes when you start a church, you've got to be everything. You've got to be the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, until you get someone in there. Amen? I'm not an apostle, maybe not yet anyway, but I am a pastor. I know that for sure. I know, I know the moment that God changed my heart into a pastor's heart. All right? So, God doesn't want any divisions among us. He has provided a way for us to work out our differences in a spirit of love. And you've got to be willing to participate in a spirit of love to work out your differences. Amen? You can either work out your differences the devil's way or God's way, but the results will speak of themselves. You could get, you could get all in the flesh and all huffy huffy, right? But that's not going to solve anything. You got to do it in the spirit of love. And you got to have the courage and the strength to confront a problem when it's there. Listen, problems weren't meant to be swept under a rug. They were meant to be dealt with. And you have the Holy Spirit and the strength and the power of God to deal with it. Amen? Well, I just can't. Yes, you can. Get over yourself. All right, the second level of an atmosphere disruptor is discord. Go with me to Proverbs 6. This is the summation of things that God hates. Did you know that there are things that God hates? He lists them right here very clearly. Proverbs 6, verse 16. It says this. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. I like to say it this way. There are six things that God hates and seven that really tick him off. Okay? Things that God hates. If you were... Playing the game, a hundred thousand dollar pyramid. The, the category would be things that God hates. Things that God hates, right? Number one is a proud look. Anything associated with proud, you know. You've seen people like this. They look, they're like looking down your nose at, at you. You know, a proud look. That look says you think I'm. I think I'm better than you. No. Right? God hates a proud look. Anything associated with pride, God is opposed. Alright, number two. A lying tongue. Oh, but it was, it was just a little white lie. I don't care what color you paint it. If a lie comes out of your tongue, God hates it. A lying tongue. Number three. Hands that shed innocent blood. Murderer. Right? Number four, a heart that devises wicked imaginations or plans. Number five, feet that are swift to run to mischief. Number six, a false witness that speaks lies. And number seven, he that sows discord, notice among brethren. It's unfortunate, but discord occurs in the church because someone is yielding to the wrong spirit. Discord is something that you sow or spread. All right? What is discord? It's a Discord is a, uh, uh, a false witness. It's, uh, it's the word shellac. <laughs> it means to cast away for sake. It means to send away. And, uh, it's not good. It, it's, it's a separation of things. And the reason that you sow discord is you, your goal is to separate one person from another person. Maybe to get them to take sides. <laughs> you know some people want, want you to take their side and you need to say fight your own battle, right? They want they to want you, to draw, they, want you to, they want to draw you into a conflict that's not your conflict. Sometimes you've got to stay out of it. Other times you've got to get in it. How do I know? Listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll tell you. He knows when to get in and when to get out, right? Joseph knew when to run, right? Joseph knew when to run. Sometimes Paul knew when to be let down at dark in a basket. Why? So he could preach tomorrow. There was a group of people that wanted to kill him. Sometimes you got to be let down in a basket at night. Where did Paul go? Oh, I don't know. He let us down. <laughs> Listen to Proverbs sixteen twenty seven. Proverbs 16, a worthless man digs up evil. His speech is like a scorching fire. Verse 28, a perverse man spreads dissension and a gossip divides close friends. If you're involved in gossip, you're actually sowing discord. Proverbs 17, verse 20. The one with a perverse heart finds no good, and he whose tongue is deceitful falls into trouble. You know, one way to sow discord among people is to tell someone a lie about another person. And then they think they're believing the truth, but it's actually a lie, and it brings division and separation. All right? That's what the enemy wants us to do, but we're not going to fall for it. We're going to avoid it, and we're going to overcome it. Amen? Amen? Go with me to Psalm 133. This is the atmosphere that we want to promote. Psalm 133. This is a powerful psalm. Short psalm. You know, sometimes the short psalms are like dynamite. They're just powerful. Dynamite comes in small packages. Psalm 133. You've probably read it, probably heard it. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together How? In unity, harmony, right? Everybody say dwell together. together. It was always God's intent for the church to dwell together, to hang out together, to fellowship. And if you're not partaking of it, you're missing out on a big part of what God wants. Okay? You probably got offended. (laughs) We'll get to that in a minute. What is the unity and harmony like? It is like the precious ointment upon the head. Oh, it's the anointing. Unity brings the anointing. That ran down the beard on Aaron's beard, went down his skirts of his garment. It affects everybody. Notice this, verse 3. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. Where there's unity, the blessing is commanded. Even life forevermore. I want the blessing. So we come against division. We come against discord. All right? We create an atmosphere. All right? Where God's glory can manifest. Where his power can flow. Where his word can be spread. You know, there was a prayer in the New Testament that said, pray that the word of God would have free course. You know, in a lot of places, the word of God, the course of the word is clogged. There's a lot of places that I watched a service one time, and they read more of a of an authored book than they did the Bible. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me! You know, uh, if you have the Bible, you've got more than enough to preach for a lifetime. Amen. So we're going to guard our atmosphere. You know, uh, we have uh, there, there are machines that can cleanse air, right? You can you can install uh, things that make the air more air purifier, right? It takes out the bad air and puts in the good air, and and you know that's what God does. God cleanses the atmosphere, amen. With His name, with His word, with the Holy Spirit. You know, fire. We we sang about the fire this morning. Fire is a cleanser. It's a purifier. It removes the dross and make makes your brilliance come out. If you're not as brilliant as you thought you are, you might need a touch from the fire. Maybe a little dross has covered up your brilliance. But a little fire will correct that. Amen? So the, the third and the biggest atmosphere disturber is offense, offense, and uh, go with me to uh, Matthew chapter twenty-four. Matthew twenty-four, and I just want you to see this here. Offense is probably the biggest of these three. It's the highest level. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 9, Jesus here is, he's talking about the end. And he said, they shall deliver, they shall, uh, then that shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and kill you. Well, isn't that good news? You follow me, you might, you might die. And you shall be hated of all nations for my namesake. Christians, guess what? The world's going to hate you. Get over it. Get used to it. No matter where you go in the world, there's going to be someone in the world that hates Christians. But you just love them back. Do not how do we overcome evil? We overcome evil with good. We overcome evil with good. Then he says, verse 10. And then shall many, I say many, many be offended. And betray one another and shall hate one another. There's going to be people offended in the last days. Right? What is offense? Offense is betrayal that becomes hatred. Betrayal begins with a small unresolved offense. And it grows into a huge unresolved offense. And I want to let you know something. Offense is a choice. When someone is offended, they have chosen to be that way. They have chosen to harbor whatever happened to them, whatever they experienced, and they have chosen to harbor that in their heart and never deal with it. And when you don't deal with it, it'll deal with you. I told a group yesterday, I said, if you don't deal with sins, it'll deal with you. It's better to deal with it. Amen? So offense will give way to disloyalty, betrayal, and hatred. It affects friendships, marriages, business partners, church leadership, local churches, and other relationships. Offense is the word scandalizo, and it speaks of a trap. It speaks oh, listen to this. Let me just read you the definition. It's a picture of a trap that's been baited with a stick. When the bait was taken, the stick would fall forward and spring the trap shut. So if you're given an offense, you're you're saying, I want to be trapped. Offense is a trap of the enemy. All right? And to catch something in the trap, it has to be baited. You may, maybe you've ever heard of or read John Bevere's book The Bait of Satan that's what he's talking about offense is an obstacle on the path which one falls stumbles or is hindered it causes spiritual or moral ruin it you you will suffer injury it means to be hurt It's a wound with words or actions. It means to violate someone. These are causes of offense. To act injuriously or unjustly or to be insensitive. Let me read you this thing about how dangerous offense uh, is. A man and his wife had a quarrel. And there was strife and offense between them. And the Holy Spirit nudged the man to apologize to his wife, but he refused. And was being stubborn. Now I know that no one here is ever stubborn. And I'm glad for that. As they were lying down. The man couldn't sleep. And about 2 a.m. The Holy Spirit spoke to him and said. Look at what you have allowed in your house. And in an open vision. This man saw a large fierce looking demon spirit. Wearing armor. The man could see each piece of armor. and And understood its symbolic meaning. The spirit wore a helmet of pride, a breastplate of unrighteousness. He carried a sword of bitterness and a shield of hatred. From his belt hung the hammer of judgment, a cloak of deception, and his feet were shod with boots of anger. When you give into offense, this is what we're given into. That was a picture that that man saw. But we're going to avoid it, and we're going to overcome it. Amen? I got to get the bad news out first, then we wrap it up with the good news. So that way you leave with good news on your mind. Amen? But we don't want anything like that in our house. We don't want anything like that in our church. Do you know the devil attends church? Why? He's out to divide. Now, good thing about the devil, he can't be everywhere at every time. He can only be in one place at one time. So when the devil possessed Judas, he was only there. He couldn't be anywhere else at that moment, right? But our God, he's omnipresent. He is everywhere. Glory to God. He has unlimited access to everything. Amen? He's not in control of everything. That's a, that's a misstatement. God is not in control of murderers, rapists, robbers, drug addicts, prostitutes. He's not in control of those things. So when you say God is in control, you've got to be careful. What is he in control of? He's only in control of those who yield to him. Okay? He's not in control of everything else. Why did God make this world so bad? He didn't. Man did. It's true. Offense is a trap that hinders you from relating well with people. I'm just not a people person. Well, you're a people, you better be a people person. <laughs> what are you? Some some anomaly that God created? I mean, if you're a people, you better learn how to relate to people. You are a person. I'm
3: just not a people person. No, you are a person. You just gotta work on your people skills. Change your image. If you're not a person, what are you? I don't know. That's the problem.
1: (laughs) Hallelujah. Go to Romans chapter 16. Romans 16. This is powerful. You've heard this, maybe you haven't, but, you know, people that are like elevators, they'll take you up or they'll take you down. You've got to be careful on um, who you hang around with. Now, that doesn't mean that, uh, oh, I'm a Christian, so I should never fellowship with sinners. No, how else are they going to hear the gospel? I mean, Jesus ate with sinners, but that atmosphere got a picture of what they needed to be, right? Right? Jesus provided them with a picture of what they could be. And whoever accepted that changed. Right? Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. And what? What? Avoid them. Everybody say avoid them. Oh my goodness. But but yeah, but they just have such a sweet personality. But if they're causing division, avoid them. If they're causing offense, avoid them. That's Bible. Look at verse 18. For they are such, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh oh but their own belly, or you might say their flesh. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. But thank God we are not simple, we are knowledgeable. Amen? A simple person in the Bible is equated with a fool. Right? But we have the wisdom of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Here's another uh, story that I want to uh, read to you. And uh, this, uh, um, this couple was serving in full-time children's ministry for several years. And uh, Andy and his wife, Sharice, and they were hurt. Th- though seemingly insignificant now, at the time, the hurt was so devastating the Johnsons withdrew from their church and buried their calling for nearly eight years. Wow. Telling their growing boys, don't ever go to that church. It's full of people that will hurt you. See, when someone's offended, they lash out. And they want other people to be as offended as they are. Okay? Um, my co-worker began to encourage me in the word. Thank God for that co-worker. She would say things like, God loves you, Andy, and he sees what you're going through. He still has a plan for you. Then one night, he awoke suddenly, knowing the Holy Spirit had spoken to him. God said to him, your days of pouting are over. Come on. Your days of pouting are over. Look at your neighbor and say, your days of pouting are over. God, God was saying this to him. <laughs> So the next Sunday, we began the process of plugging back into a local body. It's amazing how the devil can take something so small and destroy your life, even getting you to abandon your calling. Oh, We're going to expose this demonic activity so that you will recognize it, and when it, it begins to occur, you will nip it in the bud. You know the best time to kill a snake? When it raises his head, right? Chop that head right off. We're going to chop the head off the offenser. Yes. We're going to chop the head off the divider. We're going to chop the head off the discorder. Yes. I don't care if that's not a word. It's a word today. <laughs> Do you realize if Jesus was in this pulpit today and he said, I want to wish you a happy Saturday, today would become Saturday. Yes. Because everything he says happens. Yes. Amen. Yes. It's true. All right. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Oh, we're going to get set free today. And in being set free, we get healed, we get delivered, we get filled. Amen? Look at verse 6. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 6. Now we command you. What was that word with the C? Everybody say Command. Okay, We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walks disorderly and not after the tradition. And that tradition is really the word teaching because we know the traditions of men make the word of God ineffective. Which you received of us, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow us For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. So if you find someone that's walking disorderly, what are you supposed to do? Withdraw. Say, I'm not going to partake of this. Say, you need to change your way. Right? You can still love them. I mean, God still loves people, doesn't he? His love doesn't change. But God doesn't put up with stuff. He corrected complainers. He he gave death to people who loved death. You only brought us out in the wilderness to kill us to kill. Okay, you're, then you're going to be killed. You wanted it. No, I didn't want it. Yes, you did. You spoke it out several times. You wanted it. Huh. Amen. All right, glory to God. All right, let's go to First Thessalonians chapter five. I'm going to read this from the Amplified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting with verse 12. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to appreciate those who diligently work among you. Recognize, acknowledge, and respect your leaders who are in charge over you in the Lord, who give you instruction. Verse 13 And we ask that you appreciate them and hold them to the highest esteem and love because of their work on your behalf. Live in peace with one another. Verse 14, we earnestly urge you believers, here's some things. Admonish those who are out of line. Well, if you don't know what the line is, it's hard to know when someone gets out of it. So you got to know the line first, right? When they say hold the line, you got to know what line you're holding, right? Right? Someone who's out of line is undisciplined, unruly, and disorderly. What are you supposed to do? Admonish them. Correct them. See if you can instruct them. See if they're teachable. Right? You know, God's mercy always comes before his judgment. He always gives people an opportunity to make a change before their action can, uh, before their seed can be sown and their action received from their seed. Right? Verse 14 uh, or, or no, um, so encourage the timid. If you find someone fearful in your midst, encourage them. Say, come on, you can do it. Right? Be a cheerleader. Um, those who lack spiritual courage, help the spiritually weak. You know, we're supposed to strengthen weak hands. There might be some person who's among us that's weak. Strengthen them. Amen? Help them. Like Aaron and her helped Moses. Right? Okay? Um, be patient with everyone. Everybody say patient. You know, that's a fruit of the Spirit that we need to develop in. If you have a problem with patience, get in the longest line at Walmart, park the farthest away, and, and, and stand in that line with a smile on your face. What are you doing? I'm, testing my, I'm, I'm having a test of patience. And I'm going to pass this test. Amen. Amen. Patience is with something you can't do anything about. Long-suffering is with people. And guess what? you got one more nerve than your last nerve. Amen. That's just your flesh talking. When you say, they're getting on my last nerve. No, you got plenty of nerves to go. (laughs) Amen. Go pray in the Holy Ghost for five minutes and you'll get some more nerves. Right? Amen. Okay. Um verse 15 see that no one repays another with evil for evil right you don't repay someone who did evil with evil right. all right always seek that the which that which is good for one another for all people verse 16 rejoice always delight in your faith be increasing and persistent in or be unceasing and persistent in prayer Okay? In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful. Everybody say, be thankful. Are we doing that? When you're driving along and someone cuts you off? Uh Uh-oh, I'm telling on myself right now. I've caught myself. I've been having conversations with people that can't hear me. And it's of no use, you know? It it makes me feel that no, it doesn't. It's just given into the flesh. Lord, I'm sorry, I got in the flesh. Please forgive me. Okay. Amen. Why do we do all this? Verse 19. Don't quench the spirit. Do you realize allowing bad behavior or bad attitudes will quench the spirit? Oh, I didn't know that we could quench the spirit. Yeah, you can. The Bible says, grieve not the Holy Ghost. Well, I thought he couldn't be grieved. Well, the Bible says otherwise. You know, there's a lot of things that we do and say that grieve him. We've got to stop that. Stop grieving the Holy Ghost. All right? Um, verse 20, don't scorn or reject gifts of prophecy or prophecies. Hmm. And you know, someone who's offended is harder to win than a strong city. People who are offended are very hard to win back. It's easier to take a strong city than it is uh, to be offended. Let me tell you a story in the Bible. It's based on First, uh, Second Samuel chapter 13. David had like five or six sons, and one of his sons was Absalom. And Absalom had a sister named Tamar. And he had an, another half-brother named Amnon. And Amnon had perverted feelings towards his sister. Okay? And one of Amnon's friends was the voice of the devil. J- Jacob or I forget what his name was, starts with a J. And he told Amnon, he said, well, why don't you just pretend that you're sick? Deception. When someone is telling you to deceive, they're speaking for the enemy. And lie in bed and tell your father that you need to send Tamar to make you some cakes. All right? So he pretends that he's sick cuz he has inordinate affection for his sister. And uh he he goes through the game, you know, he pretends uh D- David says, "Tamar, go make your brother some food." And she does. And uh you know, uh, he said, no, you need to bring it to me, right? And she brings it to him, and he's, he's pressuring her, and she says, this isn't right, don't do this, and then he violates her, right? And then, after violating her, his hatred is stronger than his light love for her. And he says, get out and lock the door behind you. Well, she's, she's disgraced, She's got, she's upset, right? She's emotional. She and, and Absalom sees her and says, uh, did your brother do this? You know, he knew it because he knew what was his, his intentions were. And so Absalom said, well, you stay at my house. And he said, and then the same guy that advised Amnon advised Absalom. And he said, why don't you just throw a party and invite the king's son? So he did. And see, David heard about it, but David did not, he took no action. The Bible says, You know, when you take no action, it's a way of causing offense. Absalom was offended, right? He hated what his brother did. He didn't want to see his brother. He didn't want to speak to his brother. He wanted to kill his brother. Sounds to me like the first sin in the Bible, right? And uh, there, Absalom plans this party. And he, he asked his father if he could invite his brother Ammon and David says, "Well, why do, you, why do you want him there?" He says, "I just want him to come." And so he had this plan that after he's drunk enough, that he commanded his servants. He said, "When I say arise and strike, then you kill him." He says, and based on my direct command, I'll take full responsibility of it. And the the, the, the news came back to David. Someone said that all of his sons were killed, and he was he was mourning and weeping. But only but the one guy said only one of his sons. But that brought strife, that brought division, because Absalom took offense to his brother's action. You can't, you can't solve evil with evil. Right. Right. But David, as the father, should have taken action. Like, like Eli should have taken action with his sons, who were wicked priests. And he didn't. And that caused offense. And not only did it cause offense, but it caused family strife. It caused sorrow and grief that shouldn't have been there. But Absalom didn't talk to David about it. David didn't talk to Absalom. He just acted on his impulses. But that's what offense will do. Why does offense occur? Disagreements. Hurts over actions. Perspectives, conversations, decisions i didn't like what Pastor Doug preached, so i 'm offended. Well, you must not like the word. no comment politics oh we've never had been offended over politics, have we? Oh my goodness, budgets. <laughs> Hiring, firing, sermons, bulletins, forgotten announcements. This is just a list. Don't worry. I'm just giving you possible reasons. Okay? Get those thoughts out of your mind. We have awesome announcers, okay? Unattended family events. Oh, they, they didn't show up. Now you're going to get all offended? Why don't you get the full story? Maybe they broke their leg or something. (laughs) Forgotten birthdays, insensitivity to crisis, gossip, backbiting, taking the offense of others. Oh, that's a big one. You know, someone who's offended wants you to take their offense. Join with me in this offense. Why? The more the merrier. No, it's not. The more the destructive. Okay? Okay. In other words, offenses can occur for a lot of reasons, right? And most of them are very small, but they become very big because, you know, if you don't deal with a weed when it's small, it's a lot tougher dealing it when it's big. Amen. How many's ever dealt with some weeds? Weeds that are big, they got some strong roots. You pull on them, and you break a sweat trying to pull them suckers out. Amen? Okay. Glory to God. Are we having a good time? So let's identify some signs of offense, and then we're going to give you the cure. Okay? Get to the cure, Pastor. Get to the cure. Number one, why offenses occur. Strained relationships. Proverbs eighteen nineteen: a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like bars of a castle. You know, the Bible often talks about in the New Testament not to be contentious. Right? That's willing to fight in the flesh. Okay? Resistance to authority. The offended will not respond to church leadership. Their resistance may not be full-blown rebellion. But it is felt at sensitive times. Like I said, people have left this church when offended. <laughs> you know, especially when the pandemic broke out, um, people got offended. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> you know, w- when you call the pastor at quarter to 10 and say that you're not coming back and service starts at 10, that's pretty bad. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right? They don't listen to counsel. All right? Number three, why why offenses? Detachment and drifting from the church. What do I say about the first banana that leaves leave the bunch? It gets peeled. So if you don't want to get peeled, stay close to the bunch. Right? So someone who's drifting, they have an attitude of distancing and withdrawing from the hub of the church... And the church at large and its flow, withdrawing. It's not a quick leaving of the church, but a gradual, subtle drifting in the wrong direction. Right? In in the last days, what's going to happen? What did Timothy say? In the last days, some will what? Depart from the faith. A slow leaving away. Well, I thought I thought once you're saved, you're always saved, really. Satan was was a.k.a. Lucifer. He was an angel in heaven in the perfect environment. What happened? Iniquity was found in his heart. He made a choice to rebel against God. What happened? He got kicked out of heaven. Saul disobeyed instruction after instruction, and he tried to make it sound like he obeyed God, but he lost the anointing. And, a holy, and an evil spirit came and tormented him. Don't tell me you can't lose it. People can walk out the same door that they came in. Christ is a door. Just because you accepted him, but you never live for him, doesn't mean you're saved. A saved person accepts Jesus Christ and then they live for him. You can't just rest because I accepted Christ 20 years ago, but I never did anything for him. That's not who are you following? You're not following God. Jesus said, come follow me. Did he not say that? Amen? Okay. Hallelujah. Strongholds of vain imaginations. Mm. When an offense is deeply lodged in a person, that individual begins to see everything through offensive glasses. They have unresolved offense and the smallest actions from the one who has offended uh, will be vainly enlarged to a stronghold of beliefs yes. about his or her actions, words, or attitudes. Yes. <laughs> Can't be around him. We got to walk on eggshells. Make crack those eggs and make some eggs. Make some scrambled eggs. Come on, yes. crack those eggs. Hallelujah. You know, we're supposed to cast down every vain thing or every high thing that goes against the word of God. We're supposed to take thoughts that contradict God's word captive. That's called spiritual warfare. You can't just let those thoughts run wild in your head. You, have, you are arrested. You have the right to remain silent. Now be quiet. <laughs> Amen. Open doors to satanic harassment. Open doors to satanic harassment. Demonic powers are attracted to unforgiveness. To bitterness. Hebrew says don't let the root of bitterness what? Spring up. Don't let it spring up. Calls it wicked. Demons are attracted to resentment. They're attracted to gossip. Let me tell you my story. They're attracted to anger. But Jesus said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You know, if you stay angry, you're giving in to demonic influence. You're attracting demons. You know, the Bible says, submit to God, therefore resist the devil. But if you don't submit to God, you attract the devil. Amen? And all those similar things like that, demons are attracted to. You're not a demon attractor. You're a Holy Ghost attractor. Amen? Dried up rivers of the Holy Ghost. You know, God can make a, a desert into a blooming garden. Listen to this The fresh, powerful flow of the Holy Spirit in the believer is likened to a mighty river. When offenses all are allowed to lodge inside, our spiritual wells they're like huge stones blocking the river. Mm. the loss of spiritual vitality and momentum, joy and faith can be traced to unresolved offenses. Well because why? the offense is going to separate you from God. so if you're separated from God you've cut off the you're no longer by the spot where the glory comes out all right? One more, and then we get to the cure. An unhealthy conscience. You know, your conscience is the voice of your spirit. When we were little, something inside said, don't do it, that's wrong. How many's ever experienced that, right? But you did it anyway. You overrode your conscience. Right? But when God comes in, he cleanses our, he cleanses our conscience from dead works. Glory to God. Listen to this. The conscience is your inner judge or your umpire that expresses God's holiness and reproves sin. Don't do it. Don't do. That little voice that says, don't do it, we got to listen to it. When we, when we continue not to listen to it, not to listen to it, not to listen to it, we sear our conscience with a hot iron. And we can't even distinguish its voice anymore. Unresolved offenses turn into unforgiveness and bitterness, and the conscience becomes weak. It becomes wounded, sick, unreliable, and troubled. Have you ever heard of a murderer known as cold-hearted? That's someone who ceased to listen to their conscience, and they don't, it doesn't bother them doing what they do. Okay? Now... Let's get to the cure. Oh, hallelujah! We're finally there. Praise God. Woo! That was some rough water, but we navigated through it. Amen. I'm your tour guide on the on the raft today. <laughs> hallelujah. How do we cure offense? Amen. We can have an atmosphere that's offense-free. Glory to God, so that no one can strike against anything. Amen. The enemy has been. Uh, totally defeated. He has been disarmed. I'm thinking of Colossians. Jesus completely disarmed the enemy. In other words, he took his ability to attack or strike against you. We can disarm the enemy. Amen? we got to disarm him from causing offense. Hallelujah. We We can resolve our conflicts. Amen? The cure for offense is purity. Having a pure atmosphere, right? Desire the pure milk of the word that you grow thereby. Amen. God is pure, He's holy. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you for your purity. Hallelujah. We perpetuate a pure atmosphere. Say that to pass ten times. He cleans our conscience, right? He removes the stain. He removes the reproach. That's a purification process. He puts us through the fire. That's a purification process. Glory to God. We are purged by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blood. We are cleansed. The blood is a cleansing agent.
3: It's better than tithe. It's better than gain.
1: Hallelujah. It removes every stain. We are purged. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Yes. Are you an overcomer by the blood? Yes. Amen. We, we, we destroy offense by going through reconciliation. Did you know that this is one ministry that every believer has? The ministry of reconciliation. Yes. God reconciled us to him through Jesus, and we then can reconcile people. You can right a wrong. You know what they told me in Bible school? The only way to correct a wrong is to do right. If you want to correct a wrong, do what's right. Amen? All right. Another way to overcome offense is to forgive. Forgive those who trespass against you as I have forgiven you. We, do you realize Jesus even said, if you don't forgive, we won't forgive you. So if we're unforgiving, see, God doesn't expect us to forgive someone based on our strength and our effort. We use his, right? And we got to be forgiving. Another way to overcome offense is to be compassionate. Oh, the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, long long-suffering with joy, long-suffering with joy. Come on, everybody. Your flesh is like, well, I don't feel like being joyful. And your spirit says, you will be joyful. Put a smile on that face. Right? Come on, We got
3: our spirits have got to be stronger than our flesh. Our trust in God has got to be greater than the hurt we've experienced. Amen? When you forgive someone, you're not saying that what they did was right.
1: You're releasing the tie that they had to you. You're cutting ties and you're letting God deal with them how he wants to deal with them. You can't walk around in unforgiveness. It'll destroy you. It's worse than an ulcer. It's worse than cancer. Another way to overcome offense is to be in one accord. Let's get a Honda. Right? They were all in one accord. That's a big Honda, man. Why do you think the power of God was so strong on the day of Pentecost? They were in one accord, one mind. They had one cause. They were one voice, amen? Sometimes we speak too many different things. we got to get on the same page with what God is doing, with what the Holy Ghost is doing, and put our feelings aside. we got to get in one accord. That destroys offense. United we stand. Divided we fall. We got to stand united. You know, if the church would be united when it comes time to vote, oh my goodness, we could change the world. But the problem is, too many people are deceived. People vote for people who abort babies. You're voting for a murderer. You're
3: casting a vote for murder.
1: That's all I'm going to say about that. And then finally, another way to overcome offenses, you've got to be willing to restore with a plan of action of restoration. Peter denied Jesus. He denied knowing him. The man spent three and a half years. Jesus used his boat as a pulpit. He, he was, he was there in Jairus' room. He was there in the garden. And he was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. And then when it came, when, when, when his moment came, he denied knowing him. But, everybody say but, he was restored. Amen? Jesus had a plan of restoration for Peter. He already prayed about it. The minute he's told Peter, he said, Satan desires to sift you, but I pray that your faith fail not, and when you return. Jesus already had a plan in place. So, what did Jesus do? He went on the shore, and he made some breakfast, fish cakes for breakfast. Right? Not pancakes, fish cakes. Right? Crab cakes, right? Maybe. I don't know. And and. And Peter went back to fishing. He went back to his old name. He wasn't calling himself Peter. He was calling himself Simon. And they're fishing. And what do you know? They weren't catching anything. Right? (laughs) You know, when your attitude is bad, your nets are empty. All right? And... They're, they're fishing, you know, the disciples were with them, and they said, oh, look, it's Jesus. And Peter, without thinking, that's, that's his style. I mean, that is Peter's style, man. Act without thinking, speak without caring who, who thinks about anything. He jumped in the water and swam to shore. And the other guys in the boat are like, where did Peter go? Oh, we got to row it, you know. The, and he meets Jesus. And Jesus, in his graciousness, in his kindness... And in his compassion, he never brings up what Peter did. All he says was, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Right? Now, Peter, his denial was overridden. And now he was free to preach on the day of Pentecost and see 3,000 people get born again in one moment. But if, he, if Peter hadn't jumped in that water... That was like his baptism back into the body. Amen. Peter didn't know he was baptizing himself. Right. But he jumped in and he swam to shore and he met Jesus. Amen. So we don't talk bad about anybody. If you encounter people that left this church and they want to talk about this church, say, I'm sorry, this conversation has ended. You, you know that they're, they're still carrying their wound, they're still carrying their hurt and you just need to let them go and, and may God open their eyes, amen we bless them, we don't have any ill feeling about them, if I see them at Walmart I'll say hello, I'll say how's it going amen, my flesh may not agree with me but I override my flesh with my spirit amen, I mean even Jesse Duplantis says the the, the, the Tabasco sauce is rising in my neck right well I may not have Tabasco sauce but I got some Polish kielbasa rising up in my neck I don't know I got some pierogies rising up or something. <laughs> you know, some, your flesh doesn't agree with you to do the right thing in spiritual matters. It resists you, but you've got to override your flesh. You've got to smile. You've got to really mean it, because I do. I mean, I have met people, amen, in, in places. Sometimes I haven't seen people for years and years, but there are times where I've met people who left this church and they didn't leave in a good way, and I'm, I'm, I'm gracious to them. I meet them with a smile, amen, and I just I say, Hi. And that's cool. Right. And anybody who left, they can come back anytime that they want to and they'll be received. Amen. And it's our goal that they come back and get right with God. I mean, God brought you here for a reason. Amen. You don't want to go around the wilderness for 40 years when you don't have to. You might as well just accept the opportunity that God gives you. Amen. So we are destroying these atmosphere killers today. We are avoiding them, and we're overcoming them with the goodness of God and the grace of God. Amen? And in the midst of a clean atmosphere, God's power flows. And if you need healing in your body, that power is here today, ready to touch you. If you need help in your life, that power is here today, ready to touch you. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that, light, that power is ready. If you need to be restored with the right relationship with God, that power is ready to flow today. It's already, amen, it's been stirred up in the atmosphere. Amen. Come on. We, 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 we sang about the fire. We praised about the fire. We even prayed. Amen. That atmosphere is ready to go. Are you ready to receive? Yeah. Amen. So if you need anything like that today, healing, restoration, help, wisdom, guidance, I don't know, whatever you need, God's got it. He's ready to give it to you. You're ready to receive it. So let's meet together. Yeah. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, I want, I want to invite you to come up right now. In the name of Jesus. No delay. Come, come quickly. Amen. God's going to touch you. And you know, oftentimes in a message, the Holy Spirit's always telling you something that the preacher didn't say. I always love the Holy Spirit's additions. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God wants to renew your strength today. He is the strength and he said those who wait on the Lord they shall renew their strength. God's strength is renewable. So Father right now